Merry Christmas as we start this brand new series. Christmas series is going to take us all the way through our Christmas Eve services as well that we're calling uh, Family Tree. And uh, let me just ask kind of by a, a show of hands, how many of you already have your Christmas tree up? All right. Oh, that's a pretty good, fair number there. Uh, okay, how about this one? Live. How many of you have a live Christmas tree? Or it was just a little while ago. It was alive there. Okay, how many artificial? All right, there you go. Uh, I was talking to Susie recently, and I was like, our kids, man, when they're not with us anymore, we're going artificial all the way, because uh, it's just a little bit easier, I, I think. But, uh, you know, nothing says Christmas like finding that perfect Christmas tree, cutting it down like we saw in that video, you, you know, dragging it into the house before the neighbors wake up and realize it's gone. Uh, nothing, nothing says Merry Christmas like that. Actually, we've never done that before. We've never taken one from the neighbors. But I just love finding that tree, cutting it down, and uh, watching Susie and my daughters drag it out of the woods. It's just, uh, it always just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. We're calling this series The Family Tree because long before there was the Christmas tree, there was Jesus' family tree. And I'm real excited about this series because we're going to look at some, some key people no way do we have time to look at them all, but in Jesus' family tree, and that really pointed to his coming. And, and we're going to discover, especially as we look in the Old Testament, that, that all of these stories in the Old Testament pointed to the coming of Jesus. And so it's really, really important uh, when we read from the Old Testament that, that we read it through the New Testament. You understand what I'm saying? Because these stories are not just random, they're all leading up to and pointing to the ultimate story, and that's the coming of Jesus Christ. And, and so we're going to be looking at his family tree. If you have your Valley Christian Church app, I encourage you to go ahead and open that up. I think you're going to want to look back at this, uh, and I think this message is going to be incredibly encouraging to each and every one of us. Uh, I'd like to start out by uh, looking at a passage in uh, the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah was a prophet about 500 years before Mary gave birth to Jesus, and he spoke a lot and prophesied a lot about the coming uh, Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. And in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Well, let's just stop right there. You know, when we look at our family trees, some of us it looks like a stump, doesn't it? It's just like, uh, there's, there's nothing going on there at all. And it's pretty interesting that in Isaiah, 500 years before Jesus came, he says, out of a stump, out of a stump, out of something that just looks awful and terrible and just a family just destroyed, out of the stump of David's family, this is King David, we'll talk about him in a couple weeks, will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. This is all referring to the coming of Jesus. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now we're starting to get a little more clues that is talking about the Messiah. And the spirit, that capital S, that's the Holy Spirit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. In, in other words, 500 years before it ever happened, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and saying, I'm going to send one that's gonna be unlike anyone else. And my spirit is gonna rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. 
And drop down a little bit uh, lower in that chapter, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, uh, actually says, in that day, the heir to David's throne will be the banner of salvation, don't miss this now, to all the world, to all the world, that, that the one that was going to come, the promised one, he would be the banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. This is very interesting because when Jesus did come, the whole idea was the Messiah, it had kind of, they'd lost sight of it, that the Messiah, the promised one would come, but it was really just gonna be a Jewish thing. But that's not the teachings of the Old Testament. The teaching of the Old Testament was that God would send the Messiah and he would be for the salvation of the entire world, all the world, and it wasn't just a Jewish thing. In fact, it had gotten so murky and so cloudy, that that's why, for the most part, the Jewish people themselves didn't even recognize him as the Messiah. But 500 years earlier, in that day, the heir to David's throne, that's speaking of Jesus, and this is talking about his family tree. He's a descendant of King David. Like I said, he's up there in the family tree. We'll look at him in a couple weeks. A banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally, all of them, pretty interesting, the nations, not just one nation, the nations, will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. So as we start this series, you know, we're talking about family tree, and we're looking at Jesus' family tree. Uh, I've shared recently, uh, back in the springtime, my my older brother, one of my older brothers, Scott, actually decided to take one of these DNA tests. It's like big business nowadays, you know, the DNA tests, and uh, we'd been told that we had Cherokee Indian blood, and so Scott was like, you know what? I'm gonna verify this once and for all. So not only just did he do the DNA test, but specifically had it cher- uh, checked for Native Americans. Came back, not a drop. Not a drop. Not a drop. And, and so all of a sudden now I watch Westerns and I feel like I've switched sides or something like that. For all these years I would identify with the teepees. Now I'm identifying, you, you know, with the Calvaries. But uh, anyway, but what was really interesting that we did discover that I didn't know this at all, that, that actually, uh, according to the DNA, and he sent it to me, I was like, this is crazy, that I'm actually three-quarters Scotch-Irish. Three-quarters, had no idea. And so I'm just telling you, man, St. Patrick's Day, I'm dressing like a leprechaun come this next St. Patrick's Day. We, I didn't even know that. And, and so it's so interesting how you think you know your family and then something like that happens and you realize there's, there's, there's like this whole unknown part. And, and it's, it's big business nowadays. You, you see the commercials and, you know, isn't it funny? Everyone, when they do it, they always, they find out they're related to George Washington. I mean, seriously, how many people could be related to George Washington at one time? Uh, and, and so they always kind of broadcast that as like, that's the ultimate find out as you go through your family tree and all this. But how much more our spiritual family tree? So many of us don't realize our spiritual family tree. And, and so that's what this series is, as we lead up, and we're going to get right up to the manger on Christmas Eve. But as we look at just in, in the over course of a month, our spiritual family tree, We're going to arrive at the birth of Jesus in in all five of our Christmas Eve services, but for today, I want to look at this this first character that's pretty interesting, that's Jacob, and and this passage that we find here in Genesis chapter 28. Jacob was the, uh, let me just clarify it for you so you don't get confused. Jacob, that we're about to read, was the great, 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 
great, great, great, great, great, great, great, great, great, great, great, great, great, great grandfather of Jesus. That's who Jacob was. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 28. Here it is, it says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. These travel from one place to another. Look at what happens. And, and again, the whole idea that Jesus is a descendant of this man. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. And Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay, uh, and lay down to sleep. What kind of pillow is that? You know, forget memory foam. He found a rock to lay his head on. And he goes to sleep, and look at what happens when he's asleep. Goes on and says, And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth to heaven. Not Led Zeppelin here, Jacob. Stairway to heaven. Some of us didn't even know that reference is from this passage in Genesis. Stairway to heaven. That Jacob dreamed, and he, while he was dreaming, he saw in this dream a stairway to heaven. He dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And it goes on and says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. Don't miss that. At the top of the stairway, God was standing there. And he said, and so God is at the top of the stairway in heaven, and God now speaks to Jacob in this dream and through this dream. I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. See, God is always concerned about family trees and spiritual family tree as well. And so he identifies himself to Jacob. He goes, I'm the God of your grandfather and I'm the God of your father. And he's speaking to him through this dream. It says, the ground you are lying on belongs to you, and I'm giving it to you and to your descendants. God always looks generationally. He always thinks generationally. It's powerful all throughout Scripture. It goes on and says, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth, and they will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. Don't miss this. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. There it is, all the way back in Genesis, and I can show you even earlier than that in the book of Genesis. God's plan from the beginning was for all humanity, all the people of the earth. That all the people of the earth, it wasn't just a, a, a Jewish thing. All the people of the earth would be blessed because of what God was gonna do through this incredible family. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And it goes on and says, what's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I've promised to you. He continues on and says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Now one of the things that we're going to discover as we work our way through this series is this. The people in Jesus' family tree were a lot like you and a lot like me. They were messed up people. I, I, turn to the person next to you and say they're talking about you. It's messed up. You're just messed up. They're talking about you. There you go. 
The name Jacob, the, the actual the name Jacob that was given him, the name means deceiver, liar, cheat, scoundrel, fraud. That's what the name Jacob actually means. Later on, God actually changes his name. See if this sounds familiar. Israel. He changes his name. He changes his character. But at this point, his name is Jacob. How would you like to be named Deceiver? That was his name. And God makes him this incredible promise. And I believe this is going to be really, really encouraging to us. And here's the reason why. As we go through this family tree, we're going to find people that God chose, not because of their character, but God chose them because of God's character. And God still does that today. That God chose Jacob, not because he was perfect, not because he had all his stuff together. He was a deceiver. He was a swindler. He was a con man. Why did God choose Jacob? Because God's character was at play. Not because Jacob earned it. Not because Jacob deserved it. Not because he was a holy man or or, or a, a sinless person by any stretch of the imagination. But God's character was going to be revealed. These stories all throughout the Old Testament and and the the, the ones that we're going to look at this month, these stories are stories of God's mercy, stories of God's grace, stories of God's willingness to use anyone and everyone if they're simply willing to follow him and follow his instructions. Let's look at it again, verse 12, Genesis chapter 28, verse 12. And it says, as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down on the stairway. Like I said, this is the original stairway, of he- stairway to heaven. What's so significant about this? For, for, for all time, since, since the beginning of time, man has always uh, asked this question, I think people ask this question today as well. What do I have to do to make it to heaven? What is it that I have to do to make it to heaven? And and you know, humanity, man has come up with a lot of answers of what you have to do, what I have to do in order to make it to heaven. And, And in fact, every, if I could put it this way, one word answer, what is it that I have to do to make it to heaven? Religion. Religion. Religion is man's answer to that question. Every major world religion says you have to keep these rules, you have to celebrate these feasts, you have to pray this type of prayer, you have to go and visit this place, you've got to do all this stuff in order to go to heaven. And that's man-made stairway to heaven, and it really doesn't exist. That's the flaw Religion says you've got to do these stuff to earn your way into heaven. But that's not the teachings of the Bible. That's not the teachings of the scripture. That's why this is so significant, this story. Every world religion has answered that that question that we call, I guess you could say, the God gap. How do I get there? How do I get up to heaven? You've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do all these different things. There's a series of steps that you have to take, that you have to earn, you have to climb, you've got to work, you've got to be a good person. You've got to do a lot of good works, and then maybe, maybe, you'll be able to climb to the next step. That's religion. 
That's not what Jesus came to give you and to give me. Every man-made religion has its own stairway to heaven. The only problem is none of them actually arrive there. None of them do. Religion represents our man-made ways to clean up our own act and to climb our way back to God. But the reality is it's a total and impossible climb that none of us can ever really make. This is why religion always leads to either pride or despair. Religion always leads to either pride or despair. Pride because I think I'm doing better than you and so I look down my nose at you. I'm better than you are because I've climbed higher on the stairway, climbing to my way to God. I work harder, I'm a better person. Or despair, I'm just terrible. I just don't measure up, I just don't rate when I compare myself to you. And so these two extremes you always find, religious people are always prideful or full of despair. Nothing is more, could I put it this way, Nothing is more lethal than spiritual pride. Spiritual pride that says, I'm a better human being because look what I've done or look at the things I would never do that you've gotten yourself involved in. Spiritual pride, climbing a stair, working as hard as we can, trying to get to God. The only problem is none of those stairs arrive at their promised destination. Religion is man, man's attempt to earn our way into God's presence. The only problem is that staircase never arrives there. Religion always leads to either pride or despair. Don't miss this now. This Christmas. What, what, what is Christmas really all about? What, 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 when we think about Christmas, what's the key to Christmas? Here's the whole key to Christmas. God came down to us. That's the key. Religion says you've got to do these things to try to work your way to God. Christmas, the reason we celebrate is because God came down to you and to me. And he didn't say you've got to earn it. He didn't say, you gotta work to deserve it. He came down to you and to me. That's why we celebrate. That's why it's, it's worth celebrating because the key to Christmas, God came down to you and to me. Back to Genesis, look at in verse 13, the story of Jacob. At the top of the stairway stood who? The Lord. God, now don't miss this. At the top of the stairway stood God, the Lord himself. And what was Jacob doing to earn this? He was sleeping. He was doing absolutely nothing. Nothing to deserve this. He was a deceiver. He was a con man. He even swindled his older brother out of his birthright. I mean, read the story. This guy was awful. And God appears at the top of this stairway while Jacob sleeps. And look again what God said to him. I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. And I am giving it to you and your descendants. Why did God do this for Jacob? 
simply because God wanted to. It had nothing to do with Jacob. Nothing at all. Religion is, I deserve this. I've been a good person. I'm going to get there. That's not the teachings of Scripture. That's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is, God demonstrates his own love for you and me in this, that while we were still sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it, and we never will. That's what grace is all about. We celebrate at Christmas because God came to us. God took on. He, he, he became flesh and he dwelt among us. Jesus, that's what Christmas is all about. And, and again, look at it from the beginning. In Genesis 28, verse 14, we just read it. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and through your descendants. This is what God's plan has always been that he was going to make a way where there's no way that we could do it on our own. God was standing at the top of the stairway to heaven and he says to Jacob and all his descendants and he says to you and he says to me right now where we are today in 2017, I never told you you had to climb up to me. I'm coming down these stairs to you and I'm gonna bless you. That's what Christmas is all about. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jacob, you can read the rest of the story for yourself. Jacob goes on and he has 12 sons. Pretty interesting. Each one of those sons ends up having big families. Those sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jesus is descended from one of those tribes. You can read those genealogies right in the Gospels of, of Jesus' family tree. And it marks every single one of them off. And you come up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, and look at what it says. Matthew 1, 16, it says Jacob. Now, this is a different Jacob, not the, not the Jacob in Genesis chapter 28. But, but Jacob was the father of Joseph. This is Jesus' grandfather. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. This, this is Jesus's, this, this brings the family tree right up to the birth of Jesus. Jesus's father, or stepdad, if you want to look at it that way more accurately, was Joseph. And his step-granddad was named Jacob. Not the same Jacob, but this is why he came. God came to you and me. God came to us. The heart of Christmas is this, there are no ladders to climb. There's no ladders to climb. At Christmas, Christ came down to you and Christ came down to me. See, it's incredibly powerful as you read through, if you read the Old Testament through the New Testament, it just opens it up because you find Jesus on every single page. Every single thing in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus in one way or another. That's why we read the Old Testament through the New Testament. And then all of a sudden, when you have an understanding of this, and hopefully we've got a little better understanding right now, the things start making sense that Jesus said, you're like, that doesn't make any sense until you read the backstory, the Old Testament. Let me connect the dots for you, because Jesus did this so often in his ministry in the Gospels. He would reference things, and the hearers, the disciples, and the, they understood what he was saying. Look at what Jesus says. Because we're talking about the point, there are no ladders to get up to God. God came down to you and to me. That's why we celebrate 
In John chapter 1, verse 51, look at what Jesus said to his disciples. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will, see, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus says, I am the stairway to heaven. He connects back to this story with Jacob and he says, my great, 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 grandfather. This is what God was talking about. He was talking about me, Jesus says. I'm the stairway to heaven. I'm the only way you get there is by me. It's not by your good works. It's not by giving to the poor. It's not by doing all these good things or, or not drinking or smoking or chewing or going with the girls who are doing that or none of those things. It's not by keeping the Ten Commandments, the rules and regulations, going on a pilgrimage to this place, getting on your knees in that place. None of that stuff will get you to God. Jesus says he is the stairway. That's why we celebrate. God came to us. God came to you. God came to me. Jesus says, the one who I am the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. See, here's the whole point of this story with Jacob and his ladder. Jesus didn't come to show us the stairway to heaven. Jesus is the stairway to heaven. He didn't come to show us you've got to do all this stuff and jump through all these hoops. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the stairway. He's the stairway. Jesus doesn't point the way up. Jesus is the way up. He climbed the steps perfectly, and he never slips, he never fell, and he never failed. He is the stairway to heaven. He lived a life that you and I could never live, and he died a death that you and I deserved. And that sacrifice, as he laid his life down, was for you, and it was for me. He did it for you. He did it for me. And that's why we celebrate. Because none of us will ever earn forgiveness. None of us will ever deserve to be saved from our sins. That's why he came. God came to us. Jesus is the stairway to heaven. Religion says if you obey God, then he will accept you. But grace says, because God already accepts you through Jesus Christ, you'll want to follow his instructions and obey him because your heart is full of gratitude. See, this is, what, this is why I don't even like calling Christianity a religion. It's not. It's completely different than any other. No other religion has God making the way of salvation for humanity because we can never do it ourselves. Only Christianity. Only Christianity. That God did for us what we would never be able to do for ourselves. And that's what grace is all about. And that grace is a gift. 
Why do we give gifts to one another at Christmas? It's not our birthday. Why do we do that? It represents the gift that God gave to every single one of us in his son, Jesus Christ. The greatest gift that has ever been given. See, what, what is it that Christ gives us when we really know him and we receive that gift? The gift of Jesus, of forgiveness, of salvation. Three things that become ours. Humble, confident, joy. Humble, confident, joy. And let me just point out, religion never produces these three things. Religion produces pride, arrogance, judgment, criticism, frustration, anger. But Jesus gives us humble, confident joy. Stark contrast between religion. First of all, let's just break it down. Humble, humility. What is humility? When we recognize, I'll never be good enough to deserve God's forgiveness. I, 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 I'll never be good enough. If I lived a million years, I could never do enough good things to wipe away the, the, the debt that I owe because of my sins. And what does it do? It produces incredible humility. And we don't look down our nose at anyone else because we realize, as the Bible says, it's by grace that we're saved through faith. And this is not by works. It's the gift of God. So no man can do what? Boast. Religion always boasts. Not Christianity. Not a relationship with Jesus Christ. It causes humility. I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. Amazing grace, humility. And then also it gives us confidence, why? Because my confidence is not in Greg's ability to keep the list of, of, of you know, uh, the things to do and the things not to do. That's not where my confidence is and I hope that's not where your confidence is. My confidence is in a perfect, sinless savior, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect and sinless life, but he laid that life down for you and for me. And he paid the price for Greg Williamson's personal sins and your personal sins as well. Paid in full. I don't have to worry about paying for my sins because Jesus did when I accepted and received his sacrifice for my sins. And when you did the same as well. Humble, confident joy. So many religious people, they're just miserable just absolutely miserable, that they have this list of these are the things I ought to do, these are the things I ought not to do, and they're just trying as hard as they can. More willpower, more willpower, gotta try harder, try harder, and just absolutely miserable. Jesus came to bring us joy because our eternity and our life rests on what he already completed, not on what I've gotta do in this life that I'm living now. Christ gives us humble, confident joy. And so you know what that means? I got good news for you this Christmas. For some of us, it's time to stop climbing. There's no ladder that's gonna get you there. It's time to stop climbing. And it's actually time to start clapping. Clapping and thanking God for what he did for us.
through his son, Jesus Christ, and praising him and worshiping him because he's worthy of it, because he did it all for love. Jacob's ladder. Grace means you can't earn forgiveness, you don't deserve forgiveness. All you can do is receive it. It's God's grace that saves us. That's what Christmas is all about. Well, let me end with this. Go back to this passage, and I want to just apply it from this story of Jacob's ladder. We already discovered that Jesus said, in John 1:51, he says, "I am the stairway. I am the stairway between heaven and earth." Look at this in Genesis 28, verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. Remember, God did all this for him. He was just asleep. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Listen, I don't pretend to know why you're here right now. Maybe you came because someone dragged you. Maybe you came because someone said, hey, I'll buy you a meal afterwards. Maybe you came because your mom and dad said, you have to come. Maybe something's going on that's even bigger than that. Maybe just like Jacob, you weren't even aware of it. But God is in this place. And God wants to meet you here, right now, in this moment, if you don't know him. Maybe you're tired of climbing, of working, trying to be good enough to earn something that's a free gift that God's already made a way for you through his son, Jesus Christ. We can be at peace just like Jacob was. God did all of this while Jacob was asleep. Jacob wakes up and he says, I had no idea what you were doing all around me. Surely the Lord is in this place. I wasn't even aware of it. And I want you to become aware of it right now in this moment. As even we're entering into the Christmas holidays, my prayer is that this Christmas would be so different for so many of us that may not even be aware of it, but that God is with us right now and we'd become aware of his presence and enjoy that presence and worship him and be full of that humble, confident joy that is yours and mine because of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the gift that you gave us through sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to live a sinless and a perfect life, to, to obey you every moment, every decision in his life. Lord, we thank you so much, not only that he came and that he lived that perfect life, but Lord, he laid that life down on the cross. He laid that down as a sacrifice and as a substitute for each and every one of us. 
that he paid the price because he was flawless and without sin. And he paid the price that we deserve because of our sins. And he rose again three days later from the dead. A fact that gives us confidence that we no longer have to pay for our sins when we receive his sacrifice for us. And so, Father, I pray during this Christmas season that we're embarking upon and we look at more into Jesus' family tree, that just like from this story of Jacob's ladder, Lord, that you would speak to us, help us to understand in a greater depth all that you did for us through sending your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, may we just stop the climbing today and receive the grace that you have for us because of Jesus the one who came for us and to us, God himself, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to give everyone an opportunity in the hearing of my voice right now that if you've never put your faith in those nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ. You've never trusted him with your life and received everything that he has for you through his life and his death and his resurrection from the dead. I wanna give you an opportunity to take that step of faith today. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you've never done that before, I, I, I just want to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you'll just repeat this prayer after me and open your heart up to Jesus right now. Receive that free gift of salvation. Not because you deserve it or I deserve it, but because Jesus purchased it. A gift through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Just repeat these words after me with your heart if you've never prayed and received Christ as your Savior right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord today. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, thank you for living and dying and rising from the dead for me. And now, Jesus, I ask you to lead me Guide me, direct me from this day forward. I choose to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for your gift of salvation. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you. 